Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I am Alexis Cubitt, the high school sports writer at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. And as always, I'm joined by Ryan King from KLBK. We'll be getting into some football action from this past week obviously a big one at the jones and no it was not texas tech's friendship and love at cooper we'll talk about that some more games um and then in the second segment i'll actually be speaking with monterey coach wayne hutchinson after a big win against midland high they'll actually have a a short well i guess it's not a short week because they played on thursday but they'll be playing love cooper at home this thursday but before we get into all that ryan I was at the game at the Jones, Jones AT&T Stadium. Um, it was, it started off, Lubbock Cooper kind of had some some good momentum and you thought, okay, they're going to run away with this. But the score wasn't, it, it, the score didn't, I guess, properly give a feel for what the game was because it felt like Lubbock Cooper was out so much further. Um, but then you have in the, the fourth quarter where uh, William Bayou scores and it's a one touchdown game. Defense wins it. You thought defense was going to win it for friendship when Jake Gilbert got that big fourth down stop. Then Jordan Kirkpatrick gets the interception. So it it wasn't it wasn't four overtimes, but it still had that that thrilling factor to it. Yeah, you knew in this rivalry game, you know it's always going to come down. It's always going to be some sort of exciting game here in recent years. But no, you're right. Early on, it looked like man, Cooper came out there immediately scoring. Like wow, are they going to put up 30, 40 points like they did last year? Man, they look really good. But then you know, friendship did bow up. They um, they only gave up, you know, six the rest of the way after those 14 pretty early in the game. Um, but the problem was friendship couldn't get their offense going too much. It was playing well. It wasn't it wasn't playing great. Um, and Cooper did just enough early where you – it's tough to dig yourself a hole like that early if you're a friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's so fitting that the two defenses that are probably the strengths of these teams, of course, at the end are battling out. The problem is – you have to go down and score. If you're not scoring, it doesn't matter what defensive plays you make. But right. I think both teams, I mean, there's no moral victories, but Cooper got a big win over a rival. You, you at least saw flashes of the offense finally, at least early in the game, right? Okay, look, guys, we have potential on that side of the ball. Look what we did early. Um, but then if you're a friendship, you're down 14 nothing. You outscore them 14-6 to the rest of the way, and your guys were in the game. So I, I think there's a lot you can build on. Um so I, I, I'm fairly encouraged about both teams. Uh, just I think you – then this is – but at the same time, you want to see more from both teams. Neither side, neither team was just so dominant that you're right. like, oh, wow, they're really set up the rest of the way. Though so the thing is, like, friendship got a second-half shutout. And I think that we see the win and don't realize that, you know, their defense literally held Cooper to no points in the second half. And Lubbock Cooper did do it. You know, two quarterback rotation, Holt Gibson came in there. He played a lot more than um, the past two weeks. Um, had some good runs from him, but they definitely got their their run game going. Just couldn't uh, get the scores. But I think the thing that was a little deceptive about the first two weeks, and I didn't even realize that Toss talking to Coach Darden, he mentioned it in the podcast last week, they haven't had their full offensive line those first two games. Ben Marcinkowski, who tight end, you know, blocking or whatever, he wasn't in that first game. Then they had a couple guys out um, in that second game. So they weren't 
a complete offense that we're, we're used to seeing. And I think we saw that more so um, on Friday, which would explain how they're able to come out so strong. Then at the same time, I still think that um, Chad Ferris did a, a decent job. Um, but I think it, it paid to have William Bayouth there, obviously the one that scored the, the touchdown in the second half. Um, and Chad did end up getting injured. And then Corbin Gandy came in. And um, I think he did well. He didn't look as smooth as Chad did in, in his first reps. Um, so there was that. But, I mean, in a game like that, it's obviously really intense and it's kind of a hard environment to come into. Um, but I'm, I don't know. I'm a sucker for good defenses. So I was really – I was pretty satisfied with the way the game ended um, and just the fact that um, it almost gave that same feel of last year when Colton Anderson had that big stop. Um, it just so happened this year – it was Lovett Cooper with a big stop on an interception instead of a fourth down stop. Um, but definitely, you know, I just think overall, outside of just the, the X's and O's in the game, I just think it was really cool for the kids. So, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you've, I could probably have picked out, like, more than a handful of kids who are saying, you know, tech is my dream school. You know, it's the – maybe not now, but it's the D1 program that, you know, is right here in town. You know, you're playing in the Big 12. What more could you ask for? Well, I mean, you could, but um, you know what I mean. Just it, it's yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I think it was just a cool deal for them in that. Um, and then Lubbock Cooper has a pretty quick turnaround here with another area school, which is nice. They don't have to travel so much early. But um, you're going to a Monterey. You're going to play against a Monterey team that. Um, had some adversity the first couple of weeks, not just not being able to play, but then, you know, you go and get beat pretty badly by an Abilene Wiley team at home. Um, so that win against Midland High, um, they're able to get that one 56 to 28. That's definitely going to give them some positive momentum coming into this Thursday game. And last week was a Thursday game. So it's really just like a regular game week for them. It is nice to keep them on the, the one week. Uh, and I haven't looked at the whole schedule for Monterey, but you got to imagine they might have one more Thursday game. Like, you know, it's usually about two to three um, for most of the schools, just the way the schedule works out. Now, it might be a little different this year because Estacado is, you know, right. seven games in. But that's generally about it. So it's nice to have back-to-back. And I'm sure that's on purpose so that you're not having three short weeks. You know, it's, this is mm-hmm. just a normal week. And then they get eight days after that. But I think what's really interesting in that game was if you to see Monterey's offense, is it, you know, how much is it finding a rhythm and how much was Midland just not being able to answer? Because Cooper's going to answer that quite. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if Cooper can win a game by scoring 31 or 35 points. So if Monterey can get to that, they will have a good chance. Having said that, though, is Monterey's offense what it was against Mid, more like it was against Midland? or more like it was against Abilene Wiley. And I think Cooper, because if they go out there and they score even 28 against Cooper, that, that yeah. offense is legit because that's a really good defense. Right. Um, the best defense in our area. It, it has to be. It's so dumb. I mean, um, when you look at the level, I mean, pure talent-wise, no doubt. I still think post, that defense is pretty dominant mm-hmm. um, for their level. But, yeah, it's, as far as just straight-up best defense, it's it has to be. Yeah. So – that's really going to be what I'm looking for is I, I still want to see more out of Cooper's offense, but I oh, think yeah. they're going to – Monterey's defense is not as good as friendship, so they're going to score more points. 
But the real question is going to be, if Monterey can go out there and put up 45 like they did against Midnight, they're going to win the game. Um, yeah. But if they, uh, if they go out there and put up six like they did in week one, they're not going to win. So, right. to me, that's a really interesting matchup. Um, and for Cooper, you keep that momentum rolling. You win another game. Um, and you go to three and one, things start to you know click a little bit. And if you see if you see more out of your offense, and you move to three and one, beating Monterey, that's a really that's a good sign for Cooper. That's a really good sign for Cooper. Yeah, no doubt. I think the thing is, I don't know. Lubbock Cooper is an interesting program in that last year um, they got beat by friendship, and they felt like that was the motivation they needed to get going. And they rattled off what twelve wins going to the state semi for the first time in program history. Um, this year you come in and it's a completely, well, not completely different team, but for the most part, you have a lot of new guys on offense. They felt like that same way after the Coronado loss. And then you see, they come out and get this one against friendship. Um, so I think this game will definitely be interesting, um, in terms of to see if they can kind of, uh, follow what they did last year. And then the other thing too, that I found interesting was when they played, I think it was Randall last year in the regular season they felt like that game kind of got away from them and they let Randall hang around um they remembered that in the postseason it ended up blowing Randall out and I think it was the quarters or something like that so this is a team that sometimes by their own admission can get a little laxed and but then they're able to take that and um kind of learn from their mistakes and yeah do it in a, in a big way. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how they come out against uh, Monterey, especially in a short week. Um, but for Monterey, I think, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't see Cooper blowing them out, especially how last year went. Like they played Cooper right down to the wire. Um, this is a different offense, but um, I'd almost be willing to bet Keyshawn is a lot bigger than, than Corian was at quarterback Keyshawn Harris. So I'd give them a chance. I definitely – I don't think they're going to put up, you know, 56 points. Definitely don't think they're going to put up 56 points. But kind of like you said, if we can get in the, you know, 14, 30 range, I think they're going to they're gonna do well. And um, obviously coming in as an underdog, I know Coach Hutch talked about, you know, that's kind of how they like to be, is that embracing that underdog role and kind of having that chip on their shoulder. Um, so it'll definitely be – be an interesting game. Um, and to your point, I think Cooper's offense definitely um, still has some strides to make, but I think that the defense is good enough to kind of carry them through while they get those things worked out. Um, yep. and they do have some good pieces to work with. I mean, you saw that on Friday night. Um, Coach Darden talked about getting those backs going, and they definitely did that. Judge Thomason was just electric. He was just finding those holes and making some big plays for them. I mean, it, with Cooper, I don't think they've reached the ceiling with their offense. I'm not saying that. But after three games, you start to get a taste. And they've scored on offense 14, and really it was seven because Coach Darden even said in that first game they had a drive start on the four or five because of the defense gained a turnover. Mm-hmm. So really they scored seven against Cap- Caprock, zero against Coronado, and then 14 to 20. You know, they put they put themselves in position for the field goals, but two touchdowns like – They've scored 21 to 27 points as an offense in three games. I don't think that's the, you know, you average that out it's about nine points a game. I don't think that's their, you know, limit. I, I think this, but this offense is not going to win games like they did last year where they could win at low scoring. They could also win at 45, 44 if they needed to. 
Um, this year, that's not going to happen. So I want to see the maximum. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing just kind of they're going to get better. I'm guessing this offense can probably get upwards of they might be able to break 30s, like low 30s. They're going to need to win a lot of games, 24, 20, 20 yeah. to 14, you know, like they did this week. And Monterey, like you said, if they if they found something this week with their offense, and we'll see, like you said, it's only one game of a good offensive output. But if they did, that's going to be a good test for both of them. And I think it, it really does test each program's and it should be pretty fun, and it's pretty cool that it's on Thursday so that it gets uh, more of a spotlight on it, than it, which it would already have a spotlight, but right. even more so as a standalone. Yeah, definitely. And that Friday game will actually be Lubbock High against Randall. Westerners will be looking to rebound after their first loss of the season to Plainview, uh, just a team that they've struggled with. And I will say this, um, at no point in Coach – Steven kind of joked about that being 0-2 against Plainview. But the thing is, they weren't – they were never just runaway games. Like, these two teams have battled um, these past three years, and it was kind of the same way on Friday night. Um, it just happened that, you know, 14 points in the fourth quarter was just the difference for Plainview. Um, and I think the thing that you're seeing with um, their first-year coach, Jonathan Haddock, at least from my perspective, their, able, their passing ability has increased at Plainview. Um, in past years, they've relied more on a run game, which is really difficult when you've got guys that are 5'6", five, 5'7", five, you know, 5'8", going up against, you know, Ryder's defense or, or Cooper's defense and things like that. Um, so they've definitely been able to to find some good things in their passing game with Tyler Rodriguez, um, Austin Hawk coming in there as a fairly new-ish football player. He hasn't played football a lot. His main sport was basketball, but him coming in there and just being able to be um, a really strong receiver for them, the, for them this season. Um, and that's not to discredit Lubbock High. I think they're still um, on the right track, but it just came down to, you know, that, that fourth quarter and Plainview just seemed to have enough to, to get it going. I agree with you that I do think it was – they do have a better passing attack. And I, I – obviously we haven't talked to Coach Steven yet, but he's going to say the biggest difference – I mean – you turn over the ball twice, it leads to two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You, you can't win games doing that. When it's that close, in that game, it was headed in the direction of – it was tight, but it was headed in the direction of uh, Lubbock High winning that game. Yeah, they had the lead at several points. Yeah, you just can't give away momentum and give easy scores like that. You know, if they don't turn the ball over, I'm not saying they for sure win, but mm-hmm. they have a chance. They no yeah. doubt have a chance to win that game, a very good chance, if they don't turn that ball over. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you got to put games away, you know, and this, this program is still learning that because right. to be fair, good start. They went two and over the first time in two plus decades. Like, you know, that's a great start. Neither of those games were close. These were not games that they had to grind out at the end. These were games that Lubbock High was better. They were the better team. They led the entire way. They were always going to win the game unless they really messed up. This one was a, okay, here's a team that's equal to you. Maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse. They're on the same level as you though. Right. Um, go out and win a game. And I, I think that's the next step for this program. First of all, I was like, Coach Steven was talking about changing the culture, um, learning how to win, learning how to be a – what he, he even said, he didn't think this – this he didn't think Lubbock High represented a Texas high school football program. And in a lot of ways, he was correct. Mm-hmm. But he's turned that around to where, like, they are becoming more competitive. They are being that – they are being that program that can compete in Lubbock, that, that can compete yeah. with teams. The next level is now going to be – beating teams games. that are close to you, winning tight right. late games. That's a whole different thing. Look, 
learning how to win late in a game when it's tight, that is so different than just learning how to win, learning how to, like, beat teams you're better than. Yeah. They've dropped games in the past they're they're better than. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're better or worse than playing. I think it's a little early to say that either way. But they no doubt could have won that game. Yeah, and, I'd say they're pretty evenly matched. Yeah, they're, they're pretty evenly matched. And I think if that game – if this program continued to take positive steps, if that game is in two seasons or even next year, you'd expect Lubbock High to win, you know. Yeah. But they're still learning. Um, the problem is you really needed that win because it's, it starts to get pretty tough here for Lubbock High. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of programs turning things around, Estacado getting their first district win in the district opener, 49-42 against Seminole, just another game where they really had to, to grind it out. But I think they found something with Antoine Jones there. It just seemed like he was that, that rallying cry and that person that um, was the guy that night. It's so funny. They love this. Which, I mean, it makes sense. They always say you want to get the ball in the hands of your best players. Well, their best players are TJ, Antoine, and they're getting direct snaps because we saw it uh, with TJ was getting the direct snaps. He was getting mm-hmm. handoff. He was just getting the ball everywhere. Well, now Antoine in this game, he started to get some of those, and it was let's just get our athletes the ball. Yeah. And it's working for him. You know, I get it. It limits any sort of possibility of turnovers as far as interceptions, not fumbles, but – interceptions can't happen if you're giving it right. You, hey, let's get the ball to TJ. Well, instead of throwing it to him, let's just let him immediately have it. He's not going to – there's no interception there. Um, so you're limiting turnovers. You're getting your two best athletes more touches in a game. Because right. let's be honest, when you're a receiver, you can only get so many touches if you're getting thrown the ball. You're not going to get 40 passes to you, you know. Right. Yeah, so sure. I, I see what Coach Cooley's trying to do. Like they're trying to get the ball to their playmakers more and more and more. Um, and it was working. It's just – I think this is such a different Estacado team because, I mean, let's, they had a great offense last year. Too. I'm not saying they didn't. Sure. I mean, and it's probably even better than this one, but it was different. Mm-hmm. Most times, Estacado in recent years or since I've been here, they don't play 49 to 42 games. That doesn't really happen. <laughs> yeah. They might score 49, but they'll give up, you know, 20. Like, right. Uh, and the defense – what's funny is the defense has played well most of the year. Mm-hmm. So, it was interesting to see Seminole – and maybe it's, you know, Seminole was just, just doing different things. Maybe the defense wasn't sharp. I, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the Seminole defense was moving down the field on them a good amount. Uh, throughout the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, they start blowing up. They were up 42 to 28. I mean, if the offense doesn't step up there, um, yeah. we're probably talking about, man, what happened to the defense? So I think it was a very interesting, you know, seeing Estacado score 49 um, and barely win the game. It's, it's a very unique, different thing. But, hey, Coach Kluge said – the season starts over, heading into last week. They're one and zero, looking at district. So, uh, and they beat the team with the best record uh, in their district. So, you know, that's you have that going for you, right? Um, I think the thing is, you hear that when they say, you know, okay, we're going to start over, but sometimes it's so hard to get out of that mentality when you go one yeah. five. You yeah. know, even though you're you you know in your head it doesn't quote unquote matter, but it still matters. Like you don't want to ever lose a game. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me was just seeing how, if they could really reset, if they could really, you know, get that out of their minds and um, treat district like it's a whole new season, at least for this game, which I would argue Seminole was their biggest competition at this point. Um, I think it seems like, it, yeah. Yeah. I think obviously level will still be in there. Um, they've had some, some struggles of their own, but I think coming in, 
considering how last year went and things like that, um, Seminole was the biggest threat. And so for them to be able to grind out this kind of a win, um, I think it, it definitely bodes well for them, especially uh, I believe they go on the road to Borger. Is it this week? Yeah. Borger. I think it's right. It's, and that's the thing. What you just said is spot on. Coach Cleo, I believe Coach Cleo when he says, hey, everything before this doesn't count. It doesn't even really matter. I truly believe he and the coaching staff, I truly believe they, they believe that. I truly believe that that is their, that is their mentality. When you're talking about 15, 16, 17-year-old kids, right. you can say that they're going to remember late oh, yeah. in that game. They're thinking, if we lose this, guys, we're not 0-1. We are 1-6. Like, right. we're not 0-1. Like, it's, it's different when you think that way. So, if they had lost that game, that could have been – that they could have been in some real trouble. Uh, and there's also, yeah, and there's also a difference between losing to – a Canyon team that's undefeated and losing to Seminole. You know what I mean? Like, and that's no disrespect towards Seminole because I think coach Palmer does a good job. But when you look at, at these teams, you know, you can kind of say, okay, we lost to Canyon, but Canyon, like I said, is undefeated. Um, Midland Greenwood. Yeah. They're rolling right now. Um, and then say, okay, we're losing to a district opponent in Seminole. You know? It's no disrespect to Seminole. Right. It's more like this is a team in a district we have dominated for years now. Right. This is still our district. Let's go out and win it. You know, it, it yeah. has nothing to do with Seminole being good, bad, anything. It's just this is our district. We need to run the table like we always do. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, and Coach Cooley made a comment about that, saying that, you know, these kids have heard a lot from other people saying they're not as good as in past years and, you know, all that other stuff. And, you know, you can have your own opinions. I don't think I would tell a kid something like that just because – I'm not going out there. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's hard enough being a teenager. But record-wise, yes, they're not as good as in past years. Um, but at the same time, if you can still have that same mentality, you know, just just keep keep working at it. And they also didn't play the type of teams that they played this year in past years either. So there's that to account. And I think that they do take those experiences from the Greenwoods, the Dumases, the Canyons, the Bushlands, and put them towards this. Because if you can, I mean, even with Andrews, they stayed competitive with Andrews and yeah. lost on what was an extra point. Miss extra. If they hit that, they go to overtime. Maybe they win the game. Who, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think that is something very underrated that you're hitting on. Cooper is not as good as you know as they were. Estacado either. I mean, they lost Jeremiah Dobbins, right. Isaiah Johnson, Nehemiah Martin. These are athletes. This is not the pros where guys are just there year after year. Like you have to replace talent, and some of this talent is high level. Right. You know players like these aren't yeah. just like oh you just bring in the next guy i i'm sure coach clue would tell you they're happy with who they have but there's not another jeremiah dobbins out there right now it's yeah. that is a special player you know but see i think that's what makes their defense so spectacular though yes. is because they lost like yes. all of their defense there was like seven starters or whatever it was insane yeah. but to yeah. have guys like anthony hawkins you know i believe elijah bullard is getting some reps um on that side to have those guys step up right now and be able to to keep their offense in the game because yeah. we talked about it we were in our minds we we're like okay we know what the offense has it'll be defense that's a question mark but then the defense comes along and I mean from the first game it was just like oh okay there's no yeah. there's no let up here um so I, I definitely yeah. think that um just that continuity shows good things about Coach Rob and what he's doing um, 
on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, even with um, working through some offensive things, I think that Antoine Jones had – that was probably his breakout game. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot more from him come, you know, Borger Perryton level and all that stuff. Uh, but, I mean, I, I maintain that from the beginning. I really thought that, yes, the non-district would be a, a struggle, but I there wasn't any doubt in my mind that Estacado wasn't going to be competitive in their district. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I still think they have a good chance of winning it, um, doing fairly well in the playoffs because it'll be a while before they see those non-district opponents again. Mm-hmm. But moving on to another program, our, since we've – Touched on all the Lubbock ISD programs. Why not save the the one with the best record for last, Coronado? Mm. And first of all, second shutout in scoring a ton of points against Odessa High. But here's the gotcha gotcha about that. They're going on the road to Wichita Falls Rider this week, which I think will be a very interesting game. Yeah, I got to shoot that Odessa game. So it's the first game I've actually got to see in person with Coronado. Mm-hmm. And they are, they are very good on offense. Uh, that I know Odessa's not at their level, but it was forty-two to nothing at half. And on the la- one of the last plays that may have been the last play, uh, Sawyer they they took a shot down the field, um, mm-hmm. like a forty fifty yard bomb, and it was dropped on like the twenty. If it's caught, it's a walk in touchdown to make it forty nine nothing at half. Um, that offense is ridiculous. Eli Martinez is all over the place. They, anything they want to do, if they want to go deep, they want short passes, they want to run, they want Sawyer to run, it's there. But you're right, the story is their defense. I mean, the, the story has absolutely been that they've allowed 14 points in three games. And the, two of those games came against Cooper and Friendship. I mean, these are not like right. nobody's out there. They've given up 14 points. And honestly, you can make an argument not to shortchange Friendship because I do think Friendship, they were fighting in that game. If that game is 14-7 to 7 Coronado – do we really believe that friendship scores again to tie it up late? Probably not. <laughs> they yeah. might have been, you know, like, but, but still, only 14 points against friendship, a shutout against Cooper, a shutout against Odessa. We, we knew the linebacking core would be good. You know about Charlie Robinson. You know about Isaiah Kelly. But as an entire defense, they're getting pressure. They're getting sacks. They're getting turnovers. They look very physical. Talking to Coach Parr, he said they haven't been as physical in recent years as they wanted. They look more physical on offense and specifically defense this year. And it's funny, I haven't personally said this to Coach Parr, but whenever we interviewed him after the game um, on Friday morning about their Thursday game, he even mentioned, you know, people are comparing this team to the 2017 team. And, you know, this, this team still has a long way to go. We're only three games. But that's exactly what I see. I see the 2017 team where they had a really good defense. They had an, an explosive offense. This team looks very similar, if not even better, because the quarterback of that team was Quay Gray, Gray. Really good quarterback, really good athlete. He's not Sawyer, though. Sawyer is something different. Uh, now, they did have Blair at wide receiver, um, you know, as a TC now, so maybe it's a wash. But um, this team looks like – I don't know what the weakness is, if there is one. It looks like they are clicking everywhere you want to be. Yeah, but I think you just mentioned something very important. You said they, have, they had Quay and they had Blair. Coy and Blair. Yeah. This, I don't, I'd have to check Coach Parr, but I don't know of the last time Coronado had that deep of a wide receiver group. Oh, I, not since and I've been that, here. Fourth yeah, season and, and not since I've been here. I'll tell you that. And that, that can't go unaccounted for. You know what I mean? Like, 
there is no keying in on Eli Martinez because the minute you do that, you open up Will Boyles, who's really long, yeah. uh, Corey Ferreira, Trevor Stevens. Yeah. Even Antonio Malone. First, well, that's another thing, adding that rushing attack. But then yeah. you can also, you know, line up and, and, and go get a ball from Sawyer. Um, but to your point about their defense, they had five sacks, five quarterback sacks. Um, against Odessa High, two from C.J. Lewis, one from Diego Lopez, one from Isaiah Kelly, who led them in tackles overall with seven, then another from Charlie Robinson, who had six tackles and two for loss, and then J.V. McCutcheon with an interception. So I think the other thing to to getting two shutouts, which, by the way, the one against uh, Lovett Cooper was the first ever for Coach Parr there at Coronado. Then to turn around and have that a second time, he did mention that it's a, a lot of it has to do with keeping their ones in, which yeah. is because when they gave up, I think it was that fourth quarter touchdown to get to friendship. It was um, their backups coming in. Um, so you're, ha- you're talking about these guys playing complete games. First of all, having the energy to stay on the field, you know, to do that. Um, and then actually completing and executing at all times. Um, so I think that's what makes this upcoming game against Wichita Falls Rider really interesting. Um, and then, by the way, you've got two Division One quarterbacks because Jacob Rodriguez for Wichita Falls Rider is committed to Virginia. And then mm-hmm. so we know about Sawyer. Um, Wichita Falls Rider is obviously a team that we know of them battling Lubbock Cooper and kind of that budding rivalry in that district. Um, but just to see – Kind of, you know, how, how far along Coronado has come. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against Ryder this week. Definitely one of their biggest challenges of the season. Uh, they can win this one, man. The, our, our high view and expectations of, of Coronado is going to go even higher. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I also like what you said earlier about the rushing attack. They had a drive. I think it was 14 nothing, But they handed the ball off like three times. It got them down to about the five or ten, and then they threw it in. But – it was nice to see it's okay. It's not just going to your favorite target or two or just going to the air. Like it felt like they're like, okay, let's run it here. Okay. Let's have Sawyer run here. Okay. Let's throw a deep ball. Okay. Let's anything they want to do, I think is there for them. And I agree deep wide receiver core. Um, They have a rushing attack. Sawyer's. I don't know if he's more mobile. He's at least being allowed to show that he's more mobile this year because he's run in the past, but it feels like it's happening more this year. And I'm sure that is something they've talked about. Like, hey, you know, use your athleticism even more. Um, but the, they – it just feels like anything they want to do on offense is is there for them. doesn't mean they're going to win every yeah. game, but sure. there's no area where, like, they just can't – that they really have to work on. Yeah. How much do you think they're thinking about Tascosa right now? Uh, hopefully they're not getting too far ahead <laughs> of themselves with Ryder. But uh, uh, I I'm, I am sure Coach Parr, even Kind of keeping an eye on them. Has been keeping an eye on them, yes. Because that's – I mean, we can go into that. It just seems unfair that a team does that well in 6A. And then gets, I, mean, I understand it's about size. I get that. There should be some rules here and there about, like, how it performs. Um, if you are competing at a high level in 6A, I don't care what happens number-wise. You shouldn't be dropped down to 5A. Yeah, that's funny. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Some other undefeated programs we have right now, Roosevelt, still undefeated. Um, I kind of mentioned it on, on Twitter this past weekend, but 
It's the first time they've reached six wins since 2014 and the first 6 no start since 2002. Idaho is also undefeated right now. They had a huge win over uh, Coahoma, who was also undefeated at the time. Post still undefeated. The 50-something point win over Sundown to start district action this week. Um, Lockney's still undefeated, which I think at this point they're going to probably uh, run the table until they get to Hamlin, so that should be an interesting game there yeah. for them. And last but not least is Shallow Water, who had a, a big win over Brownfield this week. And I'll actually be going out on Friday to Denver City to watch them play Mustangs against Mustangs, and I think that it will definitely be interesting. Obviously, Denver City has a huge quarterback with Mario Sanchez, um, but Shallow Water has a young and budding talent with Bax Townsend, who in some ways is kind of like Mario, because if I'm not mistaken, Mario first got started when he was a, a sophomore and did really well for them. So that should definitely be a, a fun matchup there. Yes, yeah, it's always fun at this point in the season. Um, and it stinks we're not there with the 5As and 6As. I mean, we think we know Coronado's pretty good and, like, they are 3 no. but mm-hmm. here going into week eight, just – the undefeated teams, I mean, you listed off of, what, six or seven undefeated teams that we still have. Like, that's that's exciting, you know. And they're mm-hmm. on the 2A level, 3A level, like, you know, they're they're throughout, you know. So that's, yeah, for sure. Um, that is really fun to see. And it's it's also nice to see when it's programs like, oh, Lockney is bouncing up and being undefeated. Roosevelt, you know, the year they've had. Idaloo, which it's always felt like Idaloo could get here, mm-hmm. but they, they didn't. They get close. Like, they've always been a good team. Yeah. But it did feel like this year, like, okay, it's going to be different with Idaloo, and it, and it has been. Um, and it's because why? Oh, because it's been 10 years since they won. magic. <laughs> but, that, uh, but 10 years ago, that was the last time Roosevelt beat Idaloo, the year they won the state championship. So, you know, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic there between the two. Um, yeah. But no, I agree. Shallow Water is back. I mean, <laughs> two years ago, they were a great program. They took a step back last year, but that happens when you lose um, as much talent as they did. Yeah, And I thought they'd be better this year. Did not think they would be back to what they were two years ago where they're undefeated seven weeks in and, like, just dominating, you know, opponents. Did not think they'd be to that level. But Mm -hmm. at this point, my goodness, who's beating them in the regular season? They look so good. They look so good right now. Yeah, I will say I think Denver City would be their biggest competition at this point. Um, I think when you just look at their district, uh, I think – yeah, <laughs> I think if you just pound for pound, you look at um, their district, they I don't see anybody beating them at this point. Yeah. Not to say that, you know, they should get cocky or, you know, anything like that, but I would say Denver City is probably their biggest, their biggest challenge. If they can get this one, I think they can go undefeated this season. And not, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you mentioned how young this team is. They're doing this as a mainly sophomore team, like there's some juniors mm-hmm. – What's this team going to look like next year? I mean, right. and maybe even years, but next year, my goodness, this team is like – that's what was funny about the 18 team. They were really good, but it was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is a very senior-laden right. team. So that's exciting, but, you know, like this, is, this year is sustainable. It's, it feels similar-ish to Post last year where, like, Post was doing special stuff mm-hmm. with a ton of juniors and some sophomores and one senior in Tatum Thetford. Right. Um, and now they're a bunch of seniors and a few juniors – and that's what it feels like with Shallow. I was like, man, they're doing this well mm-hmm. as a very uh, – there's a lot of underclassmen making plays. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting to see what they look like even next year. But, yeah, for this year, I know Abernathy is down. I know they're not what they've been in recent years. But the way they beat Abernathy in week one was honestly should have told us even more about, like, wow, this team is going to be something special this season. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that was, you know, like you said, it was the first game of the season, um, but it definitely was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, all right, we'll start, you know, not saying we didn't pay attention before, but it's like, okay, you know, because I think the thing for me is that Coach Wood kind of um, expressed some uncertainties with, yes, this season they did have more starters, but there were still guys that they had to figure out how to incorporate, yeah. get them going, and they had the quarterback battle. They lost the spring, so there was a lot of question marks. But, I mean, that changed real quick after that first game. Um, yeah. Definitely am looking forward to to getting out. I haven't been able to get out um, in a few weeks, just kind of staying local with our, our Lubbock ISD and Lubbock Area School. So that will be a fun one. Um, another one, friendship actually begins. District 2A play hitting the road against Midland High, um, which, like we mentioned, was Monterey's opponent last week. Um, and then Abernethy at Idaloo, I think you kind of talked about that one a little bit. We'll definitely be this week because, yeah, if, if Idaloo can beat um, Abernathy this week, I think they're definitely – it's going to definitely set up something really cool at the end of the season when they play um, Roosevelt for that – that, that rivalry game. Um, but then again, Roosevelt will still have to get through um, Abernathy as well. So fun. We have a lot of fun districts. I'm definitely looking forward to, to all of what the rest of the season brings. It's crazy to think that the small schools are almost done. And the big. I, I was thinking about this, the this is week eight. So uh, isn't the last week would be what it'd be the um, like November 6th or 7th or whatever, yeah. like that Friday. Mm-hmm. Man, that's insane. Yep. So literally less than a month left of the season. That is insane. Yep. It's been fun. I guess it's nice to start seeing these district matchups, which I started noticing this mm-hmm. last week, you know, in post and sundown and new deal health center, because now we think we know how teams are going and like who's yeah. probably going to win the districts. But when they start playing each other, you know, like Hale center has been a great story, but mm-hmm. for a lot of, you know, for all intents and purposes, they've been eliminated, not from the playoffs, but any sort of district title or something like that, you know, you get yeah. you lose a new deal. Like you start to narrow things down. It's almost like a tournament type season right now. Where okay, mm-hmm. post blows out sundown, um, hail center blows or uh, new deal blows, new blows, up, blows yeah. hail center. Okay, now you're looking at probably hit, uh, new deal and post, and it's like that in a lot of districts. And I'm very excited to see that with Idaloo and Abernathy because mm-hmm. Idaloo, Abernathy, Roosevelt. Been very curious to see those matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, for those different games. And this is the first one we get to see. We get to see um, Idaloo take on Abernathy. I'm very curious to see Roosevelt take on Abernathy because if they both beat the Antelopes, man, that Idaloo-Roosevelt game is going to be insane. That much um, more, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very curious, like, just to see everyone start playing each other is uh, very – it's very interesting. Yeah. Definitely a busy time of year, but always fun. We can get some sports in and that sort of thing. Um as always, Ryan, definitely appreciate you for, for coming on and, and chatting. Um, you guys stick tuned or stay tuned because I'll be talking to Monterey coach Wayne Hutchinson next about their win against Midland High and playing Lubbock Cooper this week. And we're back with the second segment of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm joined by Monterey coach Wayne Hutchison. Coach, the first couple weeks, obviously, just a lot of adversity with having the first game canceled against Odessa High and then losing to Abilene Wiley. I guess, how were you able to just kind of keep the guys rallied together and keep spirits high after, you know, just the season started that way? 
Yeah, obviously our kids were crushed that first week when we're two and a half, three hours away from getting on the bus for their first ball game that they had worked so hard for since, you know, even back in, um, well, we got to start working out in June. And we'd worked really, really hard up to that point to get to, to that game. And, and to have uh, the rug pulled out from under you was, uh, it was kind of devastating, I guess to say. But uh, it's one of those things we couldn't control. We could only control the things we can control. And we've done a really good job of uh, taking care of us to give us an opportunity to play with this COVID going around. And then um, I knew that first week uh, versus Abilene Wiley, I knew they were a much improved team. They had a game under their belt. They were a lot more physical. They looked like they were just you know, just rallying around each other, playing as good as a team. And I knew uh, we were going to be in for a tough game. And I felt like if we could stay in that game for a little while, uh, that uh, we would get better as the game went on because we can't simulate game speed in practice. And that was going to be our first, you know, full speed for four quarters. Um, And so, you know, we didn't respond real well, give them credit. But I thought our kids did a really good job of not, I mean, they were definitely disappointed. They were definitely not satisfied. They know they're a lot better football team than we showed against Abilene Wiley, and they focused really well this last week. And we came out, and we were clicking on both sides of the ball Friday night against Midland High, and I couldn't be more proud of our kids the way they responded. And, and today it showed again because we had a really good practice this morning. So I think we're right where we need to be. And last year, I mean, you, you did kind of the same thing with playing multiple quarterbacks, just kind of getting different looks there. But what's working there with Keyshawn? Obviously, he had a big game, but then throwing Tyron in there, both of them had, mm-hmm. you know, at least 100 yards passing. Well, you know, moving moving Tyron, um, you know, over to, to get some reps at quarterback, you know, add kind of, adds a little bit different dimension to the game. They can both do the same thing well. Uh, they can both run and throw well. And if you look at Keyshawn's stats Friday nights, I, I mean, they, they were really, really good as – as Tyron's was too, but what it allowed us to do is take our backup, you know, in 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 Porter Blake Porter, and move him over to receiver in place of of uh, Zion Martin who is injured, and by doing that, it gave us a spark because you know Porter I think had four four catches for 116 yards and a touchdown, and it allowed us not to miss you know miss a step there at that uh, inside slot receiver. And then, of course, Tyron loves to play quarterback, too. And, and you know, he he brought a lot of enthusiasm to the game Friday and, and did well. I don't have a problem playing two quarterbacks, never have. Uh, I think it's hard for a defense coordinator to game plan for two different types of quarterbacks. And I think those two guys bring uh, a little bit something different to the table. And, um, you know, they're both great players. They're both of them were voted captain on our team. And, um Seems like they accepted the role pretty well Friday, and uh, we're just going to continue to play both of them. And in the past, we've played two quarterbacks until one just kind of got a little ahead of the other, and then we stuck with them. It may be the case here where they're both good, and we just keep playing both of them. And then for Keyshawn, what did you see from him last year that they gave you that confidence to start him? Obviously, you know, a bigger quarterback that, like you said, can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Keyshawn last year came in several ball games when we were when we were getting beat, and then it's nothing real flashy. But you look up, and all of a sudden we're we're back in the game, and and uh, especially at Abilene Cooper, uh, that I noticed on him as he was taking some shots. I mean, he was getting hit as he's letting go of the ball. He stood in the pocket, took the shots. He's a tough kid, and then. You don't think he's really doing a whole lot until you look at his stats at the end of the day, and and they're just incredible. His stats are incredible. He's a tough kid. Um, Brings a lot to the table. 
you mentioned last week um, when Tyron got hurt, or two weeks ago, I guess I should say now, um, kind of finding a different look on defense. Just remind us what, what that was and what did you see from that mid, against Midland High this past week? Yeah, you know, Tyron obviously is a really good defense player too, but uh, when he got injured, we moved uh, Angel Navarro to nose and we moved Zalas Johnson over to that end position that Tyron was playing. And once Zalas got where he was one-on-one, uh, with and still getting double teamed every play, he just created a lot of havoc uh, for the offensive opponents. And and because of that, uh, that's what has allowed us to move Tyron back over to offense and, and have a one-two punch at quarterback uh, is because of that move on defense. Uh, we just didn't know if we would be solid until that happened. So, you know, sometimes things just happen for a reason. Sometimes things work, you know, it works its way out. And uh, it looks like it's been a good good thing for us, and we're just going to keep riding that. And uh, obviously Tyron, when we need him to go play defense, is going to have to play some defense. But right now he's in the rotation quarterback. It just seems like versatility is kind of a theme just with the two situations that you talked about, how important is that to have those guys that can, you know, do different things and, and just kind of keeping, I guess, opponents off balance and what you will put out there? Yeah, and we stress, you know, we're we're only as good as our depth, and we work really, really hard on trying to to get multiple kids ready at multiple positions. Uh, it's very rare that you have a kid like a, you know, a Tyron or, uh, you know, a Zalas or. Uh, a Blake Porter who who can just you know get thrown into the the fire at any given time and be successful because it takes a lot of you know a lot of work uh, getting them ready on both sides of the ball and uh, those those guys are able to do that and they're really smart uh, they're very much competitors and and uh, that has a whole lot to do with it but you know with COVID and everything going on I mean you got to have some guys ready because uh, you just never know. Um, what what can transpire in any given week or in any given day. So we're just on our toes and trying to be ready. And just kind of piggyback off of that, I mean, you knew, you know, coming into this season you would lose Corian and Tyree, which are obviously big pieces. But what's impressed you the most about this team so far this season, whether offensively, def- defensively, special teams? Yeah, I, I knew we were going to be solid defensively because we, we had like nine out of the 11 returning. Uh, we're still trying to find the pieces of the puzzle with our secondary, but – it seemed like everybody really played well uh, uh, Friday. Uh, and then offensively, you know, I think moving Trent White to to running back, he's a big spark. But we also have three other running backs that I thought played well Friday night too. So we've got a lot of depth in the running back positions. Uh, I, I really uh, I really like where Ja'Cory Morian is at right now because he was a wide receiver last year. We moved him to tight end. Uh, that's probably where he'll be recruited at college. Uh, he's a big kid. He's learning to block. Been real impressed with his blocking. And then he had three touchdown catches Friday night. So, you know, that's going to create some problems for some for some uh, defenses. And then we've had some young guys step up at receiver. And, you know, Zion Martin still a threat. Having Blake Quarter come over and, 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 and give us a lot of depth and, and a spark at receiver. I've been really impressed with that. And so um, – all that together, I mean, we got a little bit of chemistry working there, and that's that's what's important right now. And just like I said, with how the season started, did you in that Midland High game kind of see the spirits kind of picking up, that confidence, everything kind of just really clicking together for for the team as the game progressed? I did. I you know I I think our guys were still. I, I think they knew they were good. I just didn't. I don't think they knew how good they could be. 
And then you look in that first quarter where we exploded, you could just kind of tell the kids were like, oh, yeah, let's go. You know, let's go. Let's keep this thing going. And and then, you know, the defense were getting three and outs and the offense was scoring and they were kind of feeding off each other. And when you get that type of uh, momentum going, it, it's fun to watch. And, and our kids really played well. Uh, it was it was fun to watch. And, and I know they had fun. You won't have technically a short week, I guess, because you had the Thursday game this past week and Thursday game this week, so you still get your full time. But what's, I guess, just the, the feeling going into this game against Lubbock Cooper and, you you know, come back home? Yeah, I mean, for the last two weeks in a row, we've had a holiday basically on, on a Monday. So it's always hard to get your kids up here and get them, you know, focused and, and, and really into practice on, on when, when they're not in school. Last week was a little tougher coming off a loss. It was also hot that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, today was probably one of our better workouts. Um, we, we came in, it was a holiday, but we had a little bit cooler weather. Coming off of a win, the focus was there, the excitement was there, uh, the want to was there. And, you know, it's just, it's, we just have to do a really good job of game planning, not, not you know, putting too much on their plate on a short week, um, turn them loose where they can play and not think. And, and our coaches have done a really good job of that. And, uh, and try not to overdo it on a Monday and Tuesday because it's such a t- short turnaround that you definitely want their bodies feeling good and ready to play on Thursday. So they handled it really well last week. We're going to stay with that same schedule this week and see if we can get the same results. And you guys are obviously you and Lubbock Cooper are coming in both with wins, but just kind of different ways. Like yours is a little more lopsided. They're coming in obviously emotional off of that that rivalry. What do you see from just this matchup? It's always a tough game. I mean. Uh, they're going to play hard. We're going to play hard. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pride at stake. Uh, you know, the close proximity, I guess you'd call it a crosstown rival. Um, you know, anytime you're this close to, to another team, you know, it's definitely a pride deal, and, and both teams really want to win. And I know they're well coached. I know they'll be ready, but I know our guys will be too. And when you think about last year, I mean, it came down to the fourth quarter. You guys were neck and neck, and they just kind of created that separation. You have a lot of guys back from that team. Do they? Is that something that's, you know, in their minds of just, you know, okay, let's let's finish out, or are they remembering that game from last year? Oh yeah, we brought definitely brought that up. I thought we controlled the game till about four minutes left in the game last last year, and we gave up fourteen real quick points, uh, and we played solid up till that last four minutes. And uh, you know, I know our kids are confident that they can get it done. We're just going to have to play four quarters this year. And we talk about their defense, obviously. You know, what's going to be just the plan for, for your offense and being able to just combat some of those weapons they have? Yeah, obviously they're very, very good defensively. They have uh, seven out of the 11 returning starters. They have a couple of D1 athletes on that defense. Uh, well coached. Uh, you know, they present a lot of different looks for you. Um, they play hard, run to the football, uh, and they're very physical. So, you know, offensively we're going to definitely have to keep them off, off uh, you know, off Kelter a little bit. Um, um, basically, we got to get as physical as they do, or, or physical as they are. Uh, we got to beat them to the punch a little bit. Uh, we got to get get give a lot of misdirection. We got to give them them a lot of looks. See if we can confuse them a little bit. And then we got to we got to establish the run. Um, and if we can establish the run, then I, I think our passing game will come into play. And and if we can't, then we're going to have to spread them out and. And we're gonna to have to throw it around. And uh, anytime you go against a good defense like that, then you gotta give what they take you. So if they're gonna take our runway, we gotta be able to throw it. 
and you know and if and if, if we can't throw we got to be able to run it and uh that's going to be a big challenge and then for your defense with having so many returners back you know what do you just see from that side and just being able to you know they're just now starting to kind of get their run game going mm -hmm. against friendship this past week how do you want to i guess combat that or you know just because they play the two quarterbacks as well yeah i mean they're they're a lot better than what their stats and and the scores are showing offensively they have some weapons they have some speed they have a good good offensive line uh again it's going to come down to the trenches we're going to have to control the line of scrimmage and uh and we can't give up that big play uh they're a big play kind of team uh they're going to try to hit you with a lot of screens so we're going to have to be very very disciplined and uh we're going to have to play really sound football and then i mean it's kind of an advantage that you guys have the back-to-back -back thursday games but does that extra day do you feel like give you a little bit of an advantage or do you feel like it's kind of even i think it gives you an advantage on just your kids healing up uh from a physical ball game the night before it gives you an extra day to you know, to get injuries well, it gives you an extra day for you get, you know, kids get their bodies feeling better. Um, and then, you know, it gives you an extra day to kind of, you know, go over a scouting report or go over, a, you know, a film or anything mental. Uh, but that's to me is the only advantage of that. All right. Sounds good, Coach. We'll definitely be looking forward to another good Crosstown Rivalry game. And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. All right. Got her done.